0: Hi, everyone. My name's Steve Tudor, and welcome to The Friday Show. It's the show that's apparently too old for an Easter egg this year. On today's part, we're going to be looking ahead to tomorrow's tricky trip to the King Power, as well as analysing a potentially crazy April for, for City. And to discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by Harry. You well, pal? Yeah, just to say, you're never too old for an Easter egg. I completely agree, but I, I refuse to buy my <laughs> own. That'll be humiliated to have to buy your own oh, no um, I think
1: this last I don't know about you but these kind of last two weeks have been a bit of like a nice little therapeutic break for this mental run-in that we're going to have absolutely um, obviously I know a lot of people like to say that they're not interested in England but for me it's like it's the only time because if you know me I'm from Salford it's predominantly red area Yeah. it's the only time me and my mates can kind of support the same team Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like it's nice but obviously I don't feel it the same way I do when I watch City. So after what has been a mental couple of months for City and a mental couple of months come, this last two weeks has been a bliss. Absolutely.
0: Well, you do the press conferences, don't you? So I mean, having two week break from yeah. that must have been quite nice. Yeah, it's just a routine in it. It's like working working on the website. It's like you've
1: got all the pre-match build-up, then you've got the game itself, then you've got the post-match, and by the time you finish all the post-match, it's another pre-match. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no escape from it, it's like a constant cycle. So it has been nice to escape that for a bit, but obviously, because City are quite good at football now, there's been a lot of transfer activity in the last couple of weeks, it's only going to get worse combined in that with games. It's going
0: to be quite a mental summer. Talking about transfers what what does your gut instinct say as regards to Haaland, Grealish? kind of oh other... god
1: yeah i'll speak about this today i've always looked at it because i'm I, when when the, the whole messi and Haaland stuff was coming out and then i was listening to a few podcasts where people were saying well i can't see messi coming if aguero's uh, if aguero leaves and it's just like well if aguero stays where are the positions in the squad for everyone that like, it would rely on a lot of departures whereas now it's quite evident with, with Sergio leaving, this is still absolutely raw for me, as you can imagine, um, that there is a space open now for elite striker. I think obviously it's obvious that Haaland's, I think the the stuff yesterday, it's, it's normal for him to, for agents to go, but yeah, how, yeah. how it was made so public, I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's just City have had their turn and now it's Barcelona's turn, Real Madrid's turn. Um, on Grealish, I don't know. I, mean, I think maybe it depends on, again, on outgoings if Fernandinho leaves. I still think Pepsi's Gundogan is capable of yes, doing yeah. the Rodri role. So that would leave a spot open for KDB, Bernardo, Foden, and then one more. Whether the fee is obviously the issue with, with the Grealish stuff in it. Because would City play an no, awful of hundred million pounds for him after spending possibly 150 million pounds on an elite striker? I don't know. I don't know. But I do think a left back is definitely a bigger priority Surely than than the then of centre midfielder this summer.
0: Oh, it has been. I, I sometimes feel that I'll be on my deathbed. Hopefully, age kind of you know yeah. ninety eight, um, with my like fifth wife alongside me. <laughs> and and I will still be kind of you know on, on Twitter of you know the equivalent of that in kind of fifty years time saying oh City we're going to get a left back mm. this summer. <laughs> it's just in to a Hollibans. horrible position with Mendy, aren't they?
1: Because no, not one club are going to be interested in yeah. him. So, uh, just yeah. screams of a uh, like a last minute loan to me, Mendy. Yeah. if if he's going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean it'll be it would be. A Big plus this summer, if and there's no disrespect to Mendy's, but no it, disrespect ha- at all, it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, no, and you know, to see him go to bring someone else in to have Zinchenko still there, and and you know, he's really turned my opinion around of him in the last few yeah. months. Um, I really did think that uh, he was on the slide as regards a bit, you know, yeah, when he came through and, and he adapted to being a left back, yeah, he so impressed me. I mean, yeah. But you could see every single thing he did was thought out. He was concentrating for 90 minutes. It's like, right, I move here now. This is what I do. This is what I do. I just yeah. felt he started to get a little bit complacent with that. And he's yeah. still not a natural left back. So I, yeah. I could just see some positional mistakes creeping in, some poor performances too. Um, so I was a bit
1: concerned about that. Yeah, I remember um, he's he played in the first, I know he played in the cup, but he's the first major game he played in was that six nil against Chelsea. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks after he played in the cup final, I'm pretty sure he was one of City's best players that day Him and Bernardo a, Silva against yeah, Chelsea. That. Yeah. And that was the the way he kind of established that. I'm all for Zinchenko being the kind of, not backup, I don't think he's, uh, there's any backups in City's squad. They all fight for the yeah. same position. Um, but just unfortunately for Mende, I think the club will be absolutely gutted because they kind of fought too for Nail to get him. And You know, with I think there's some things that Mendy could have done better in terms of his behaviour and stuff that wouldn't have impressed Pett. But just the no one could have predicted what sort of bad injury record Mendy was going to have considering he he didn't pick up anything at Monaco. It's like the City curse.
0: Can you um, see him going elsewhere and being a success or do you think this is the level we're seeing now of Benjamin Mendy, this is going to be the level for the rest of his career?
1: Yeah, like I can't I really can't unless I'm a sort of John Stones-esque miracle turn around. Yeah. But I think it'll still be I think it's I think it's be more of a miracle than kind of John Stones because the lad cannot just can not may play two games a week. Mm. Like he, he plays 60 minutes and and he's completely knackered because he doesn't play football often enough. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think he just it's frustrating because he's a very, 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 very good footballer. But the fact that not one club are interested in even bringing him in, yeah. I think, kind of speaks volumes that people are too
0: worried about his injury record. I will say a big plus for him. I've noticed this in the last maybe five, six performances is that fear and absolutely understandable fear after two long-term injuries. And um, of when, you know, when he goes in with heavy challenges now, yeah, uh, yeah. that's gone now. You can see or it's going at least. Um, and and for any player recovering from long term injuries, that is such a big plus. So it just felt like every time he was
1: he was getting into the swing of things and starting performing well, he'd yeah. be hit with even if it was a two week injury, it just sets him off two weeks again. And it felt like it was happening every time he was fit.
0: Yeah, it's a real sliding doors kind of thing with with Benjamin yeah. Medivh. Take that injury away, um, then. Who knows what, what player he could have become at City. Absolutely. And, and not only on the field as well, off off a pitch too, you know, he was becoming quite the media social media favourite. Yeah. So I think he's a media team's dream, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. So it is very sad. But like you say, if we bring in a left back in the summer, uh got Sinchenko yeah. there and then we're setting that position. Absolutely. I I want Jack Realis just because he plays with his socks rolled down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's proper old school footballer. No, I I really
1: like him. I would I would love him at the club. It's just would you want him at the risk of upsetting some of the already established names mm. like Bernardo, Foden, De Bruyne, it's the, and Gundogan? It's kind of a it's kind of a conundrum you can kind of have to weigh up. But it'd be a big summer for the club, definitely.
0: Well, I can't. I think it was Howard. It may have been Howard and Ainsley. I can't remember who, who was on the pod, but I remember us discussing the possibility of Sterling going this summer. And then, mm. should that happen, then you'd be looking at Jack Grealish because you know both kind of play on the left, and um, so. That's my thinking. I I know Absolutely. what they're saying about Fernandinho. I appreciate that with Gundo dropping back, but I personally think if Sterling stays, we don't get Jack Grealish, I think it's one or the other. But maybe I'm oversimplifying. Yeah,
1: there. he's got. Yeah, I agree. He's got a big contract decision to make. Rather at the end of this season, um, yeah. whether he feels like. He wants a new challenge, and he's done everything that he possibly can at City. Then, then then he might, then he might move on. I think he's the more. I think a lot of people have talked about like Mares being like that. I think Sterling is probably more likely to move on than Mares, especially with his contract situation. And he, he, he's one of them. Could you see Mares going to like Real Madrid? No, I couldn't. I could see Raheem Sterling moving to Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, it's always been on his kind of. um... The long-term plan, wasn't now. I mean, even when mm. he started out with um, Guy Andrews, his, his agent, and you know, basically formulated the plan. It was kind of you know, Liverpool, another club, Real Madrid. That was always yep. their, their game plan. So
1: that AS interview, my god, wound me up last year. And you know, they did this. They've done the same with Salarante this year. You know, when he added like Real Madrid kit on one shoulder and the oh, city yeah. kit on the other. Oh god, he yeah. it, it, it does seem like a Real Madrid player.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it'd be a really strange kind of. Um, kind of Twitter fortnight in if Sterling does leave yeah you know? and we, we'd, we'd get a, we'd get a very good fee for him or we should get a very oh, yeah. good fee for him but I mean I don't I genuinely don't know how City fans would respond I don't know if it's mm. a case of you know good luck Raz all the best thanks for all you've given us maybe a bit of resentment in moving on when we're at our peak under Pep or maybe kind of even people saying well good riddance so I really don't know Um I think predominantly it'll be with good good feeling and kind of I hope so I hope so, because he's been a brilliant... I mean, he, he's, if Fernandinho leaves this summer, he's our longest serving player, which yes. is mental. Well, I mean, I'm obviously at this point, it's all entire con- conjecture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. There's no evidence to suggest it. Raz is moving on. I just feel, though, that we could be seeing a big name leaving this summer, as well as bringing in a couple of big names. It's just... It, yeah, let's face it, I mean, It always comes down to gut instinct with transfers because none
1: not of fun. us, none of us know. <laughs> well, no one, no one knew who Ruben, Ruben Diaz came out of left field not it last summer. So I just, like, I've just come as much as it'd be, it'd be very good to have a sort of Erling Carlin name. I just not have complete and utter faith
0: in the club that whoever they choose will be the right man. The, the one that makes me laugh because City fans don't tend to pretend to be in the know. You're always going to get one or two who do that. Yeah, of because, Yeah, but generally speaking. City fans you know were not like that whereas a certain other club Liverpool (laughs) their fans you know are rife with people who claim to know what's going on inside the club and I love it because Liverpool to give them credit are very good at just announcing their signing and people saying whoa we never saw that coming that was so great about Bernardo Silva when it was just like,
1: yes. we were interested on the day and he was signed at the night. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, and again, you know, who's, no, there was no one on Twitter saying, oh, by the way, we're interested in a lad, Bernardo Silva at Monaco. Mm. No one said that because no one knew, no one does know mm. in reality. Whereas with Liverpool, they all claim and the amount of transfer talk. It's an industry in itself, Liverpool transfer talk. And yeah, yeah absolutely. they'll sign someone, you go, hang on, no one mentioned him. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right, let's get going with... Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, John Stones Hmm. and his mistake uh, against Poland. Uh, I didn't watch the game. Um, I I, I just watched basically the highlights and in this case, a low light. Personally, as a Welshman, I have no problem with uh, John Stones making (laughs) a mistake. Make more (laughs) for your country, please, John. (laughs) Um, It was concerning, though, that Tyler immediately insisted that Stones will be pilloried for it. The exact word he used. ITN led with the blunder. Call me paranoid, but you can almost feel the frustrated size in the media when John assisted for yeah. McGuire's winner. Win- they wanted it to be a draw and for Stones to be the villain. They wanted to run with that. Am I right in thinking that? No, I I agree.
1: I watched it on on ITV. I, I was a bit suspect of. I think England. I think the England game was quite boring. So I was I was kind of looking down on Twitter as it mm. happened, and I just said, "Oh, John Stones has given oh god!" But I think. I think it boils down to the fact that compared to other countries, I think the English media want England to fail. I yes, don't think it was yeah. particularly digging out stones as much. I always think that like you see in Spain and Germany, they're proper pro national team. They, they want the national teams going on. They celebrate the national team successes. Whereas because England had, had a near perfect, you know, uh, free games, it felt like that was the only thing they could moan about. So they particularly picked on that. Um, I mean, to, to, towards the end of the uh, of the coverage on ITV, I stuck around just to see what would what they'd say about it because it wasn't a particularly interesting game. But three out of the four questions put to Maguire mm. and Southgate were about that Stones mistake. And to be fair to, to Maguire and Southgate, they defended Stones to the hill and they kind of was like, look, he played a part in the winning goal. He, he made up for his mistake. And it was a mistake, let's be honest. Yeah. But there was nothing on... The brilliance of Raheem Sterling who I thought was excellent. Um, uh, Mason Mount, who's impressed me in no end, especially this international break. There was nothing about that. And maybe England grinding out a win um after after such a such a bad mistake. There was nothing about that. It was it was very centred in on on John Stones.
0: Well, yeah, I, I find that fascinating what you say there, and I completely agree that the English media kind of struggle with mm. dealing with England when we're doing well. They're finding yes. like, major tournaments, because it can bring out all this kind of ashtung baby and all this kind of real kind of um, xenophobic tropes. Yeah. um, You know, we'll, we'll kind of knock you for six for French and all the rest of it, but when it comes to actual qualifying or in general or and and with players progressing and kind of you know and the team just incrementally improving they can't really discuss it they don't really know what to do they, they can only deal basically with crisis or you know like I say ecstasy of kind of winning a quarter final in a, in a euros for example hmm. well There's nothing i was really. just going to say take take out
1: Stones' mistake and it's a a Maguire just shot from the well, it was a great finish actually and a Kane penalty, there, mm. a two-nil. That is the most Southgate win you'll ever see in New England. <laughs> yeah. So where's the where is the where is the story there? Yeah. Where is where's the story? The story in other countries would have been three and three, a great start to qualifying campaign. All right, not against Brilliant teams. I think they were desperate for the Lewandowski Kane narrative, and then obviously yeah. when Lewandowski got injured, they had to try and find something else. So they were licking their lips. I'm telling you, when John Stones tried to dribble out the ball, out the back with that
0: ball and give it away, and they scored. Just very quickly, Harry. I believe it was a mistake. I've seen yeah, on Twitter, definitely. City fans kind of defending, saying, "Well, he received the ball, we're, you know facing goal, Pope should not have given it to him." Other yeah. teammates didn't make themselves available. I've re- I've watched and watched it, and and it was just a mistake, wasn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, I think him and Maguire kind of everything Southgate wants in his centre-backs. Um, yeah. But I, did, I, did, I did partly agree with the fact that at City, he would have had Diaz open, Rodri open, Carl Walker open. The keeper was equally as comfortable because Pope is not comfortable with his feet. That, and that bit is true, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is true. But Stones, I think, uh, spoke really well all season about wanting to do the basics right first in terms of keeping clean sheets, of course, Pep wants him involved in the build-up, but first of all, he's focused on not letting the ball to the back of the net, and if there's any risk of that, he boots it upfield and resets. So, instead of trying that risky stuff last night, when there was no oh, options man. on, you just clear the ball upfield. Just stick to what you've you've talked about all season, especially in a team that is not completely playing to your strengths. You know, there's not endless amounts of options with players working off the ball like England. Um, I mean, errors can happen to anyone, it's just kind of how you minimize that and bounce back that's important. I don't think I could kind of name one defender in English history that's not made a mistake, and absolutely, uh, and but it's it's about how stones and he's that that sort of mistake was a kind of every game occurrence for stones, so he has minimized that this season. This is the first one, Hmm. but I assume he'll have come back yesterday, Diaz will have given him a massive hug and they'll be back right on it, I assume.
0: Well, yeah, we're going to get to that shortly, kind of whether um, Stones will start this this Saturday. Um, just kind of one last thing on him, though. Will this reputation for him having a costly error in him always follow him around, do you think, throughout his career? And because he's, is it because he's English, basically, and epitomises the modern way of defending is maybe judged different to Harry Maguire, for example?
1: I think I think it's I think it's really unfair on him because he's had a a, a brilliant season with City and 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 as, as time's gone on and as he's not made a mistake, it has been about how brilliant he is. And then as soon as he's made one mistake, it's like, well, he's really really error prone, isn't he? You know, that's still the worry about Stones. It's like, well, he has made one error. There's not been one centre half this season that's not made a. John, uh, Ruben Diaz, who's been fantastic all season, made an error for Liverpool's equaliser. Yeah. Whether you think it was a penalty or not, that's that's a different question. Yeah. But. I just think that there is a there is a narr- there is a narrative around Stones because of previous occasions in an English shirt, but because he's made that mistake, it's very easy to look at it and just go, well, he's just a really error prone centre back. Like, he's not. He's made a mistake like any other centre half, but he's had a magnificent season and that then mistakes have been an, an absolute minimum this season.
0: Yeah. I, I, I kind of think back to goalkeepers who accrued a reputation for, you know, yeah. having having an error in and whatever. I don't think it ever loses him, frankly. Yeah. They,
1: say that, they say that about car, the car walker too, don't they? They say for all his, his kind of qualities, he has got a, an yeah. error in him, but car walker has given away, what, two two penalties this season, but he's been kind of flawless throughout the season as well. So it's just, I think it's just when, when a mistake pops up like that, it's very easy to just pin someone being error prone. It's like, no, he has made an error and I'm not defending stones. It's just how oh, it is in football. Uh, that was an error, but, it's kind of how you bounce back from that and Stones has, has proved this season even when he's made such a slight mistake in a game he's got the ability whether it's with the players around him kind of gene him back up or it is kind of he's found something within himself now that he's not got into his shell once he's made a mistake he's bounced back and to be fair he's shown that last night by you know his determination to settle Maguire for that winner.
0: Yeah yeah I mean just to end on a very obvious point it, it, it really comes down to it just everything is overblown when it comes to England. If, Absolutely. Yeah. If the error was made against you know, Burnley, for example, barely anyone will be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, on to Leicester uh, tomorrow, uh half-five kickoff. off of the lads at Main Road Ramble, uh, City players collectively have played 3,260 minutes of international football this past week. Um, mm-hmm. Ruben Diaz, John Stone, Zinchenko, they've played all 270 minutes. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Cancelo, not far behind. Will Pep's lineup be shaped by this? Um, And if so, who do you think will be left out? Who do you think will be coming in? I think this is entering a period of extreme,
1: extreme uncertainty in what Pep will line up. (laughs) Um, There will be hit with a lot of surprises, I think. And not in terms of, I don't think there'd be much tactical, I mean, in terms of personnel because it's going to be very difficult for him to go because there's been times where we've gone through a tough patch of games but no disrespect we've had like a Sheffield United at home and then we've had the, an important game midweek there is no in this fixture so I know we'll come on to it but there is no breaks there is literally yeah. big game after big game after big game and if you are if you want to be you know, at, the, at the top table in terms of European football then yeah, you've got to play these games um, yeah I think we might see some element of it this weekend but he, he he likes his, his kind of stalwart plays in the side. So still think Diaz starts. Still think KDB and Gundogan start. Um, obviously, uh, I think Mares and Jesus. I think you right may start as well. Um, I think he likes the false nine in Champions League. Mm. So I think that we will see a striker this weekend, but not a striker in midweek against Borussia Dortmund. Um, okay. Potentially a rest for Cancelo too, because he, like you say, he has played a, a lot of football. Um, Zinchenko has had two, so it depends what you you see as the most, what he sees as the most important game. I know he says kind of take every game as it comes, but I, I, I could quite clearly see it being like a Zinchenko Walker uh,
0: wing backs with Cancelo kind of rested for for the pick one in midweek. Yeah, I mean, because that's such a big factor, isn't it? Not only are these players yeah. coming back, having to adapt to club football. I've no idea how many days' training they get. What is it, maybe two? Maybe. Even just yeah, a they, were, they were back yesterday, so it'd have been two, yeah. Uh, two. And, and then, you know, three days after Leicester, we've got a Champions League quarterfinal. Two. So. Tuesday. Tuesday, innit? They, they'll only have two, oh, two yes, days' training. What they do? They
1: have a. Yeah they'll have a rest day on, on on Sunday or like a recovery day, maybe even one. They'll yeah. have one day of kind of methodical training on Monday and will be straight back into it on Tuesday.
0: Well, Pep's mentioned this a couple of times. And he's been asked, you know, what differences have you made turning this club around and all the rest of the club yeah. and, and he's basically, okay, of course, he's talking himself down and being kind of self-deprecating, but he said, really, mm. I don't get a chance to talk to the players anymore. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well, he said that he said that normally in this sort of break, he'd let the lads have a couple of days off. They were not gone for the international break, but he's had to have them in because he mm. needs everyone fit. And to be fair, it could we could be in a much worse position unless anything comes up today in his press conference that we don't know about. Everyone has come back fit, which is all we could have asked for and our pet would have asked for in this international break. We could have had players completely unavailable for the next two, three, four weeks. So the fact that we've got everyone back Maybe not 100% sharp, but fit uh, and available to be picked. That would be a massive plus for Pep.
0: That's one of the stories of this past two weeks, just seen on Twitter everyone lambasting Roberto Martinez for playing heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just hating on the international manner. Yeah, what are you doing
1: A with? lot of them a because a lot of them are elite players, a lot of them are captains. I mean De Bruyne are yeah. captains, Belgium, Gundogan was captain of Germany midweek, Sinchenko which amazes me, is captain of Ukraine, <laughs> um, which is which is incredible. So a lot of these players, Sterling is is Southgate's go to it looks like Stones is now walking, it. Foden is, is is breaking through with that England team. So because we've got such a
0: elite talent, they're always going to play a lot of games for, for the country. Yeah, Absolutely, and I think that's going to continue as, as the seasons go on with, with City. Now yeah. We are of that stature now where and it's, it's always annoyed me throughout my entire life, so I, I can't be hypocritical um, and say that I'm all in favour of it, but a lot of players now are going to be pivotal to international teams because of who they play for. Because they're Manchester yep. City players, you know. Absolutely. I mean, if I was Gareth Southgate this week, I'd be thinking, "Okay, I'm playing Phil Foden. I'm playing Kyle Walker. I've got John Stones. <laughs> I've I've got like a third of this Manchester City team playing for me. I should not be losing mm. these games." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it could be said that Pep and the football he preaches comes unstuck against certain teams. I've kind of narrowed it down to three. Liverpool at Anfield, and listeners won't be impressed with this, but it does make a difference when it's a packed at Anfield. <laughs> Ace Ice is his turn listen to this now. <laughs> yes, but we do tend to implode at Anfield when it's really... Yeah, no. um, United under Solskjaer and Leicester under anybody uh, due to their counter-attacking ways. Are you worried we might see a repeat of the 4-2 in 2016 or the 5-2 early this season? Um, I think... Well, I did a bit of digging
1: on this 5-2 because it's one of the most crazy games of football I've ever seen for City. I think in terms of the 5-2, there's a couple of caveats to it. In the game, we conceded three penalties. It's a complete anomaly. So I I, I kind of had a look at what what the most penalties people have conceded in football. In 1989, five penalties were awarded in the Palace versus Brighton game. Palace had four of them, missed three, but still won 2-1. Amazing. And these penalties were awarded in the space of twenty-seven minutes. What? Um, yeah, I know. And uh, another one I found uh, in the Copper America: Martin Palermo famously missed three penalties yeah, so for Argentina for against Colombia in a Copper America game. So I find it, I think it kind of shows just what an anomaly giving away free penalty kicks are. Yeah. Um, second of all, the defense that day was Benjamin Mendy, Nathan Ake, Eric Garcia, and Car Walker, and now we're potentially going into this one with Walker. Diaz, Stones, are the and Cancelo—that's massively improved. Yeah. They've conceded eighteen goals in the last forty-three since that game, <laughs> <year. laughs> so that is a massive difference. Um, so you could look at it that way, um, but you could also look at it the way that we did the double over Leicester last season as well. Yeah. So we do know what it takes to beat them, and it was a significantly worse squad last season. I just think the mood around the club at the time of the 5-2, uh, the injuries we had, we'd still not brought in a centre-half. The strikers weren't firing. I mean, our goal was an absolute wonder goal from Maris, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, so the the team wasn't really gelling. There were still questions about Pep's future, whether he had the ability to kind of turn this around and stay and it signed an extension. Um, so that was before kind of all that, inc- that incredible run. So it's a completely and utterly different game. Um on Saturday, um and I assume with the defense and then, um with the way the the strikers seemingly on international break in the midfielders actually Bernardo Silva de Bruyne in particular kind of coming into form he'll be a lot more confident
0: for this one than the one at the Etihad I'd say. Well, you just reminded me that Mares. I mean, he'll start anyway, I believe, because he hasn't assume, played in yeah. international football. But I mean, he does tend to have really good games against his former club, so. I remember yeah. was it last season where he just had Ben Chilwell on toast for nightmares. Absolutely, minutes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how big a threat is Jamie Vardy? Um, I put my hands up here and, and say that I forgot to check before and I was going to check on, but I do believe he's on a bit of a scoring drought. Yes, um, but it's still Jamie Vardy, isn't it? He scored. He scored
1: one against. Oh, who was it the other week that they absolutely trounced with Sheffield United? Yeah, and that that ended like a massive barren spell for him, um, but. To be fair, Kelechi Nacho has completely stepped up yes, in the last yes. so uh, they've found seemingly another goal scorer as it stands. So he'll be, my and I think him and Kelechi have found quite a nice partnership. As much as Vardy's a very like greedy, loves to score. I think he's enjoyed kind of like playing off Nacho and having a player that he can actually instead of just launching balls over the top for him to chase. Mm-hmm. Isn't, he, I think he's enjoyed the the kind of playing off each other. So that is going to be a massive threat in and around the box Their, their sort of combination play. Um, combined with the fact that Madison will be back for him Um, you've got uh, a a wing back now in Pereira who can bomb forward and going to no longer have to play a centre half there Um, they've typically I'd say got quite a sturdy defence as well Um, but Vardy am I right in saying Vardy's got quite a good record against City
0: yes uh, I I can't remember the figures now but yeah basically he always does us doesn't he it's always him Mm -hmm. Um, he's had like one hat trick a couple of braces I think he's he's got a good amount eight or nine um, well, yeah, sorry, he scored an hat-trick in the 5-2, didn't he? So. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, that's two hat-tricks, isn't it? Because he, he, I think, 4-2 yeah. was um, a hat-trick. So, yes, yeah. it, it's always Vardy. Um, do you think Leicester have been somewhat overlooked this season? Um, it's been a brilliant second season for him under Rodgers. Mm. But for me, all the attention, maybe unsurprisingly, have gone towards the London teams like Spurs, underachieving or praise for West Ham. I, I don't think they've had anything like the praise and credit they deserve.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um they lost a they lost a few games a couple of weeks ago and everyone was saying, Oh, here we go. Like last season, Leicester will drop out, but well, they've they've kind of put turned the results around a bit. So they're now being talked about as definitely being in the top four for this season. That's a yeah. massive achievement yeah. um for his side. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think the Leicester being kind of in the top six now. Um I think they've got a, a really, really good structure in place for the future. Um they're not just for, they're not just benefiting off a, an amazing team as they did in in that little title winning run where they had obviously Vardy and Mares and Kante and, and, and etc kind of on the top of their game they've got a really good structure in with the recruitment they've brought in the young lads for Fana and I know just before yeah. you injured, just Justin really really impressed me the the way yeah. he was playing so they've got the young lads Yuri Tielemans is such a coup for them they managed that they've had to be able to sign in permanently I really thought he'd go to like a
0: top European club I I really thought he was going to United United showed an interest and I have no idea what happened there because I mean I feel that the player probably would have gone to United over Leicester Absolutely. so you you have to assume that it was a club decision and what a cock-up that was because what a player Mm. he is yeah
1: they've they've got I think the, the recruitment is absolutely spot on and ever since ever since they started breaking into this sort of top six uh, they've they've got it spot on mainly with, with with all the transfers, so you can't really argue with them being a, a sort of top
0: side with a kind of top manager. You'd have to say at the moment in time. And if they go on to scrap FFP, which could very easily happen, then yeah. Leicester they've they've got a, a substantial backer behind them, so they could. Go and on. the, the
1: law of the law of Champions League football as well. Yeah, and they yeah. when they when they got it last time, it was kind of a bit of a anomaly you know what i mean it felt like it was, it was after the, the fairy tale of yes, exactly. and they did really well i mean they got through Sevilla, didn't they in the round of 16 and they were they did really well against i think it was a Flesco they got in the in yeah, the, the quarterfinals yeah. um so that was a bit of a like of a fairy tale campaign for them after it was but this now they they'll have established as like look we're in there again and they can speak to players and be look, look we can give you champions league football arsenal can't tottenham can't <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. I, I, I think it's a really valid point um, comparing to the last time in Champions League because that did feel like, you know, let's just have a one season adventure yeah. here. Now absolutely. it feels like okay, let's make this sustainable Champions League this season. Next and the one after that, and we'll, we'll incrementally kind of you know go for the the top end players. Um, I think that well, if they keep Rogers, I think he's he's key. Um, but Leicester could be in in amongst the top six now for the next few years to come, at least I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Score prediction, mate. Um, I'd say I think
1: it'd be a completely different game, but they've still, they've still got a massive threat and it's still going into a, a massive game.
0: Um, I'm going to go 2-1 City. Same. I'm going to go for a super tense 2-1. I think this is going to be a real kind of, you know, um, both sides hit the post kind of maybe a missed penalty. It's going to be one of those really tense games, I think. Mm. With- and this team's got a lot more grit
1: than some previous Guardiola teams so if they're in a yeah. bit of a adversity say they, they go behind you've got I think we've got a bit more of a grit about us to kind of turn it around
0: yeah absolutely and we're going to need that grit for the, oh, what a neat segue that was oh fantastic! you're a pro at this I'm going to ruin it by boasting about myself halfway through it <laughs> We're going to need that grit With a crazy month that lies ahead. Um, should we progress past Dortmund? Uh, I just want yeah. to read out here um, April's fixtures as it stand. Leicester away is Saturday. Dortmund at home on Tuesday in the Champions League quarterfinal. Leeds at home on the 10th. On the 14th, Dortmund away. Second leg, obviously. Three days after that, Chelsea in the FA Cup semi. Four days after that, Villa away Four days after that, Spurs in the League Cup final. And then three days after that, a Champions League semi-final first leg. Jesus. That (laughs) is... That's unbelievable. I mean, really, hopefully, if we can get enough points against Leicester and Leeds, we're home and trying the league. So the the likes of Villa away, you could afford to drop points. But you look at those kind of eight games there, and it's like, they're they're all big, they're all meaningful. Yeah. I mean, can you you start to see Pep prioritise the cup competitions this month and just and say okay the league we have pretty much got that tied up as i say it
1: is impossible to predict i think i think it is he always talks about taking every game as it has and i think we've seen in cup competitions in the past where you think i arrest a few players today and then you see de Bruyne and 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 Diaz lining up and you're like well he's obviously not he's prioritising everything it seems yeah um I think it's like what I said earlier. Pep will have to kind of look at it methodically um, and and pick his games when he's going to use his his kind of full strength eleven, whatever he feels his full strength eleven is. I've got an inkling he will be looking at battering Dortmund in the first leg, mm. in terms of what his, his kind of ideal scenario would be battering Dortmund in the first leg with a, with a with a kind of home advantage and um and and taking it into a second leg. Beyond some sort of reasonable doubt, obviously, it is a much harder task than, than, than said than done. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's one of the things he may be looking at,
0: uh, which is why I think you will may see a few changes against Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think so. I think um, post international break, it, it's impossible to say. I mean, we can look yeah. at players who haven't featured in the last couple of weeks and expect them to start. Um, But really, I think against Leicester, against Leeds, we will start to see. I mean, You said at the top, and rightfully so, that we don't really have backups in the squad. So it's not really entirely accurate to say that he'll be playing a weakened side. I don't think that's the right word, a weakened side. But certainly players who, you know, he'll have his first 11 in mind for the absolute big games this this month. You know, Dortmund away, Chelsea in the the Cup semi, Spurs in in the League Cup final. Yeah. Barring injuries, of course, I think he'll know his starting eleven against those three teams, and then base his formational kind of selections around those three games. We'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot when
1: he when he announces the starting lineup on Saturday mm. in terms of what he's gone. I think just before we we played Everton in the semi final was it was it Fulham that we played in? He played with like a, a such a weird formation, and he played yes. some like completely yeah. and utterly fringe players like Mendy and and stuff like that. So I think we'll have a, a better idea when we see the starting lineup, but. I think Peppel know that this season the Champions League is is going to be a big, big way he's sort of judged. Well, I'd say judged, judged in the media amongst us. I mean, and I don't know about you, but I love winning the league. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll choose so, the league over
0: the Champions League every yeah. single year. But
1: again, it's a big month. You know, you look at it, you look at it one way. We could either be in a, a cup final uh, and a Champions League semi-final, win one cup and be on the verge of winning the Premier League by the end of the month. Or we could only be in with a shout of winning the Premier League by the end of the month.
0: So... Okay. Yeah, I think if it's the first one, even Howard may admit that the quadruples on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my granddad's
1: the same. He's a bit pessimistic, so he's he's still a bit. Iffy about the league, you know. He's like, oh, if he's, you know, he's so desperate for United and Leicester to drop points. That if we, if we would, if we drop points this weekend, he's like, oh, but United, if they win this and they win this, yeah. oh, I'd, well. I'd, every time I remember when we was on that run and we beat, we beat Spurs, and I went to him, surely, granddad, you must see this side. I've got it in the bag. He's like, Oh, I don't know. There's still a long way to go. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's funny.
0: Never leaves you, Fair Never no. leave you. No. Um, when you look at those fixtures, are you? Kind of you know, generally speaking, are you optimistic or does certain ones jump out at you as kind of you know, do they unnerve you? Certain ones, I've got a bad vibe about any.
1: Yeah, I've I've got a bad vibe about Chelsea. Um, I think they worry me the most just because of the kind of unpredictability of two shell. I'm not 100% sure if Pep came up against him when he was Dortmund manager or not, or if he had any experience of playing a two shell side, mm. but. The way Chelsea are run, unless, Obviously, there's a, a couple of games before we play Chelsea uh, that Chelsea have to play, so we'll, we'll learn a lot about them before that anyway, but Pep hasn't come against them uh, before. It's kind of an unknown end answer, but saying that, form kind of goes in un, out the window in a cup final, and I'd say... Spurs are not going to be the pushovers that the media oh, suggests absolutely. just because it is, yeah. their, it is their ultimate cup final now they're out of the Europa League. It's their ultimate cup final.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but there's not one one dud game in there, is they So they're all going to be mega, mega exciting. Even, I mean, Leeds is a horrid, horrible game <laughs> to, tactically for Pep to have in between two Champions League ties. Yeah. And then Villa, Villa with off Grealish back, I imagine, at that point. So they're going to be a tough side as well. And the problems they caused us at the Etihad. So going to Villa Park will be even tougher.
0: Especially with Grealish considering it an audition. Yeah, an audition. <laughs> We've got a lot of auditions this month, haven't we, with Haaland and uh, yeah. him? Yeah. Um, one player we haven't kind of touched on actually as regards to potentially starting this weekend, and, and he's barely been mentioned this, this season on the pod, I don't think. Um, no. Ferran Torres. Due to his versatility due to his versatility, um do you think he might come to the fore in the next kind of couple of months? Uh, you know he can play central he can play kind of on the right there Um he's, he's not let City down uh, he scored again for, for Spain didn't he in the week and um, yep. so can you see him actually becoming an, a somewhat important player for us in, in this kind of really hectic schedule ahead
1: yeah I, I could see it I do also think that just in terms of the future there is going to be a few players that will that have been kind of sort of fringe players that I still think Nathan Ake's got a big play part of
0: play yeah since, uh, I'd love that at, yeah
1: Yeah, but so does Ferran Torres. Um, You don't score five goals in four games for Spain and and, and, and any sort of mug, you know what I mean? You're a really good player. Mm. Um, He's had a tough campaign um, because he started it like a house on fire and he was Pep's starting striker for a a, a long while and you're not Pep's starting striker without you know, working hard on the training ground and showing some sort of ability to play in them positions, you know, as what you would say, one of the most important players and positions on the pitch, kind of putting a ball in the back of the net. Uh, he trusted him there. Mm. I think that, like, I think since he got COVID, it's, he's not been able to get back up to speed. I mean, I heard he lost three kg with COVID uh, as such a young lad. That's incredible. And it hit him quite hard. Um, and he's not been able to get a run in the team. It's just been appearances here and there. Um, I think the the only times he started was West Ham and Fulham, if I'm if I'm correct. Since he's since he's come back, uh, he even came off the bench against Cheltenham as well and bagged himself a goal. So I think criticism of him has been unfair because he's not had a decent run in the team, especially since he's been out with with COVID and whatever
0: other injury he had at the time. Can you see him kind of really coming through then next season and really kind of making his mark next season? Yeah, I think I think criticism of him is a bit been a bit harsh.
1: Um, I'd seen seen a lot of people saying on Twitter, like especially after the kind like, of West Ham game. Like, I don't see it. I don't see the the quality with him. It's just like I I, I don't get that. I remember these are the same people who said they didn't see it with Leroy Sané when he came on for ten minutes in the derby, <laughs> and look, look how he turned out. Um, Next season, certainly, we'll, we'll see a lot more of Torres. Uh, and I'm confident in what I've seen so far already that, that he'll have a big part to play in the season. Um, and I still think he would have had a bigger part to play if he wouldn't have got COVID. I think that's kind of stopped him in his tracks and he's not been able to get up to full fitness. I remember Pep saying it earlier in the season that when Gundogan got COVID, it took him four, five, six weeks to get back up to speed himself. Yeah, um, And that was with Gundogan playing regular and Torres has not been playing regular either. So without a run of games, I find it extremely hard to judge a player
0: okay um, well time to wrap it up but before we do Harry there was a question we asked last week we were kind of doing this kind of Q&A with guests and um, there's just one what intrigues me about yourself so Manchester City don't exist who would right. you who would you have supported oh god um, sorry to chuck this out yeah, it's just...
1: yeah. Um, I, I, honest honest to god it probably would just depend on who my mum and my granddad supported mm. um, I don't know who that would be whether it would be someone local like, like a I don't know, like a Rochdale or, a, or a Salford or something like I don't know. Yeah, I love how you're,
0: you're avoiding the possibility of United.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But as well, I. Because obviously City are a bit mint, bin, bit mint at the moment. Um, I go to a lot of Bristol City games because oh, one of my really? very good, one of my very good friends is a Bristol City fan. Right. So obviously I'm, I'm a big, I like to be a big journeyman. I like to go and tick off grounds and stuff like that. So whenever City out on, like you know, like non league weekends and whatever they call them and and stuff like that, I, I go to a lot of Bristol City games with mates. So maybe, maybe, maybe it'd be Bristol City just so I could go and you know and. And experience kind of what City were like back in the day because Bristol City are kind of a, a nearly club, they're always in and around the, the playoff, but they never just quite make it. Yeah, uh, and they have runs where it's just like, Oh, they're, they're, they're gonna proper push for it this season, and they'll have a they'll lose to like 23rd and then 24th the week after, so it looks like a proper, like sort of roller coaster club. And every time I've been on a kind of a day with them, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I'd, I'd, I'd have to say probably, probably Bristol City, but I think it would entirely depend on who my
0: mum and my granddad kind of decided to support. You know what? It's mad you say that because, for one thing, I've always had a soft spot for Bristol City. Mm. And another thing, last night, just last night... I was kind of putting forward the possibility to my wife about kind of us moving at some point in the near future, and we were talking about places around the country where we'd like to move to, and we yeah. talked about Bristol, and I said, oh, I could get a season ticket at Bristol City. It was fantastic when we
1: drew him in the Carabao Cup uh, semi-final, yeah. because I was, oh, lower yeah. south, I was lower south, and my mate Jamie was in the, like, the upper, and obviously they took the lead, and I could <laughs> just see him, and it was just such a funny night, but they're, honestly, they were a top group of supporters.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for, for joining me today, mate, because you've been a top guest. Oh, thank you very much, mate. And thank you, Zeva, uh, for everyone listening in. Um, at a wrap for today, folks. On behalf of everyone connected to 9320 and myself and Harry, of course, we'd like to wish you all a happy and relaxing Easter. And we hope it's not too blasphemous to suggest that maybe we should all back Gabby Jesus to score from a cross this weekend. In the meantime, <laughs> stay safe, be well, and forever up the blues.